Well, good morning. My name's Mike Silliman. I'm the Karen Connections pastor here at Grace. And um, I have the privilege of just being able to, to share with you this morning. Pastor Jim is taking some time uh, to relax with his family. That's okay, right? We're glad for that. And, uh, but I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to share from God's word this morning. We're in this series called The Choice Is Yours. The Choice Is Yours. Choices, uh, they're powerful and they're, and they're plentiful. And uh, the average adult, I don't know if you knew this, makes about 12 choices before 9 a.m. Did you know that? About 12 choices before 9 a.m. Now, for some of you, it was the choice whether or not to hit the snooze button yet again. And then again, and then again, and then again. Now, how many of you would be honest in here this morning and you would raise your hand, you would admit in front of all of these people here in the main and the link that yes, I'm a chronic snooze button hitter. Go ahead and raise. Wow, look at the hands. You're not alone. you're, You're not alone. And there's good news. We have a support group that's gonna be meeting after this second service for, for all of you. But choices are, are made up of things, of course, that we decide we're going to do. But also what we often don't think about is just as powerful as the things that we decide to do are, are the choices that we decide not to do. And that's what this series has been about. We're choosing things not to do. And the reason why we're choosing things not to do is because we know that when we choose the right, we we choose to not do the wrong thing, it opens the door for us to choose to do the right things. For example, uh, week number one, uh, we, we decided to choose not to be offended. And we learned that by choosing not to be offended, it clears the path, it clears the way for us to choose to do the right thing. Uh, or I'm sorry, to see the best in people. Week two, we, we chose not to be discouraged. And we learned that when we choose not to be discouraged, it chooses the path, it clears the path for us to choose joy in the midst of our circumstances. Week number three, we chose um, not to please people. Remember that? And, and we, we learned that by choosing not to please, people clears the path for us to choose to please God above all. And then last week, we, we chose, we learned that we, we need to make the choice not to, to, to live in fear, not to fear. And we learned that that, that uh, allows us, it opens the door, it clears the way, to, for us to, to choose faith and to believe that God is with us and that he is for us. And today, we're going to choose not to do something else. Today, we're going to choose not to live in isolation. We're going to choose not to live in isolation. And what we're going to learn today, what we're going to see from God's word is that choosing not to live in isolation, it clears the path, it clears the way for us to experience the necessity and the joy of connection. Connection's a good word. Connection's a good word. It's also part of my title. I'm the Karen Connections Pastor. So I thought it'd be good to use the word connection today. But for the sake of uh, a definition, to kind of give us a definition today, uh, I want to I do that. Connection, if you're taking notes, connection is the result of, of three things. It's the result of proximity. It's the result of presence. And it's the result of participation. It's the result of these three things, proximity, presence, and participation. And without these three things, we begin to drift towards 
isolation. And I, and I, I do mean it when I say it's a drift. It usually doesn't happen overnight, although sometimes it does, but usually it's this slow drift that we begin to take that leads us towards isolation. So proximity, presence, and participation. Let's unpack that a little bit. Proximity, it speaks of physically being someplace, physically being there. In other words, you can pinch me, you can smack me, you can hug me, you can high five me. I'm here. I'm here. I'm physically in the room. I showed up. And and by the way, social media will never be able to replace physical proximity. It will never be able to replace physical proximity. It's a great way to add to an already existing connection that we have, but it won't ever replace it. Uh, you know, just to, to prove that, I, you know, I, I am very well connected on social media to my family back in Pennsylvania, but man, what I wouldn't give to spend the afternoon with my mom and dad, having lunch with them, right? There's just something about physical proximity, being in the same place, being next to one another, experiencing one another in a physical way. And then, then there's presence, Presence is all about being mentally there, right? Like some of you, you're here, you have the proximity down, you're here physically, but mentally you're not here, right? Just elbow the person next to you and ask them, are you here? Are you really here? Go ahead and do that. All right, you know, presence, it speaks to being mentally here. I'm processing and I'm, I'm, I'm paying attention to what is going on around me. And then participation. Participation speaks to being actively and emotionally engaged and and contributing to the whole of wherever I'm at, whether that's with two people, whether that's in a group of people. I'm contributing. I'm engaged. There's a transfer going on of ideas, thoughts, feelings, and there's some participation going on, okay? If you take one of those three Ps out of the equation, um, you're, you're going to start drifting towards isolation. That's how that works. We need proximity. We need presence. We need participation. And all three of these things working together, it creates connection to one degree or another. It creates connection. Uh, we live in a culture, however, that has become increasingly isolated. Increasingly isolated. Uh, you know, I can pull into my, my driveway in New Paris, and I know exactly the right place where I can hit the garage door button opener, right, so that it works. I just know, I know the exact space, place that I can do that, that it'll work, and I, I can push that button. By the time I hit the top of my, my, my driveway, I can pull right in to my garage. Before I even open my car door, I can close my garage door. I don't even have to look at anybody. I don't have to see anybody. I, can, I don't have to, to say, hey, how you doing? To my neighbor next door, right? Um, I, uh, I, you know, will sometimes receive phone calls. We'll receive phone calls, and we have an opportunity to either accept the call or decline the call, right? Some of you, you won't talk to anybody, right? You'll hit decline and then they'll leave a message and then you'll text them back rather than calling them back, right? Anybody guilty in here, right? It used to be in America that the front porch was something that was really important to a home. 
And, and uh, front porches, we, you know, people used to sit on their front porch and, and you were in close enough proximity to your neighbors that you could actually carry on a conversation with your neighbors to the right of you, to the left of you, across the street from you. Now, if you've noticed, uh, we, we have about a cement slab that's about three feet by three feet square and there's just enough room for somebody to stand on the porch, right? Sometimes uh, new homes, we, we build kind of like faux porches. They're, you couldn't fit a chair on that porch if you, if you tried to, right? Instead, we've replaced the front porch with the back deck. And, and we've put, uh, you know, fences up, privacy fences are around. So we can kind of be in our own little world. We, our, our, our culture is moving towards isolation, you know, we go to uh, the grocery store. I don't even have to talk to a cashier. I can go to the self-checkout line, right? And uh, we can buy things online. And on and on and on it goes to where uh, we, are, we are more and more isolating ourselves from, from relationships and from the, the joy uh, and the necessity of connecting with people. Studies indicate that the percentage of adults that are lonely continues to increase at a rapid pace year after year. And loneliness has been proven to even affect our health. Uh, It's been determined, for example, that feelings of loneliness triggers activity in the same region of the brain that registers physical pain. And so, for example, when we feel loneliness for a long period of time, uh, levels of the stress hormone cortisol begin to shoot up higher in the morning than in more socially connected people. And it never really subsides at night. People who are feeling lonely or isolated tend to experience more nighttime sleep disruptions than, than those who are more connected. Uh, one study showed that those who are lonely have been shown to be at higher risk for heart attacks, for strokes, vascular inflammatory Diseases. One study even suggested that loneliness increases the risk of early death by as much as 45%. 45%. The truth is, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 says that. And uh, this verse is often uh, used in the context of marriage, but it has implications for, for humanity in general. See, God created us for connection. God created us for connection. Turn your Bibles this morning to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. If you need a Bible this morning, um, hold your hand up high and usher will be glad to put one in your hand. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. It goes Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. When you find that, go ahead and stand to your feet and uh, we're going to read beginning at verse 7 through verse 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. Let's read this together. It says this, Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. 
If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You can have a seat. The book of of Ecclesiastes is a great book on perspective. On perspective. Because, see, it it, uh, reveals the meaningless. It, It reveals the loneliness that come as a result of chasing after worldly things, chasing after temporary things, rather than living according to God's eternal perspective. And the author, presumably Solomon here, he, he paints a picture uh, for us of somebody who is incredibly lonely and isolated. Somebody that's all alone. Somebody that has isolated himself. He was a hardworking uh, man, but uh, he had worked at the expense of all of his relationships. He had nobody around him to enjoy life with, to even enjoy uh, his money with, or to enjoy any experiences with. And as a result, he was incredibly miserable. And he came to the place in his life where he realized, wow, this is meaningless. Like, this is pointless. I have all the money in the world, but I have nobody to enjoy it with. This this is absolutely meaningless. And I I don't know about you, but I enjoy experiencing new things. That's fun. I like going to new restaurants, trying new foods and new restaurants out. I like going to new places and finding new uh, ways to to have enjoyment, new fun. Uh, And I like that, and that's fun. But what I enjoy even more than experiencing new experiences for myself is when I experience something for the first time, and then I'm able to go back to an enjoyable experience, and I'm able to take people with me, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? It's just so fun. There's something about experiencing new things that you've experienced and then taking somebody with you and seeing the joy in their eyes, seeing their, uh, you know, face light up in the same way that yours did the first time you experienced this thing, this new thing. For me, that happened, um, you know, when I have been to Guatemala several times on mission trips. It was fun the first time. It was great the first time. Wonderful experience. But it was even better being able to experience the joy, being able to experience the the smells and the tastes of a new culture, being able to, to serve together with people and bringing them along the journey for the very first time. And this man in our in our story here, he was miserable, he was lonely, and somewhere along the line, somewhere along the line, he bought into the lie like maybe some of you today, that says it's all about me. I got I to gotta take care of me right now. Matter of fact, I don't have time right now for any relationships. I have no bandwidth for people in my life right now because I'm, I'm doing this or I'm doing that or I'm in school and I'm studying this or I'm working right now. And right now it's really important that I just spend all of my waking time working and making money and providing. It's all about me I'm happiest, maybe, uh, maybe uh, you've heard this, I'm, you know, I'm happiest when my own needs are met. When I'm, I gotta take care of number one. I gotta pull myself up. You know, nobody's gonna do it for me. And, and, uh, and, and, and so we, we've, we've known people like that. Maybe you're even here right like that. And some of you, you you've been connected 
uh, previously, but somewhere along the line, you've, you've pulled away, you withdrew, you, you've retreated back, and, uh, and you're, you, you were connected at one point, but now you, you're finding yourself drifting towards isolation. Why do we do that? Why, why, why do we isolate ourselves? I want to give you just a couple of reasons this morning. There's, I'm going to give you four reasons. There's more reasons, but these are four that I think cover uh, many of us here this morning. Let's get real honest and let's look at the reasons why we tend to isolate ourselves. And as a result, we begin to drift toward isolation and, and away from connection. Reason number one, I don't want to get hurt again. I don't want to get hurt again. You know, maybe you, you trusted somebody. You were in a relationship and a connection with someone, and somewhere along the line, they broke trust. Maybe you confided in them with just some heavy stuff that you didn't want spread around beyond just the two of you or the three of you. And uh, somewhere along the line, they, they broke trust. They broke your, your confidence. And as a result of that, you were hurt. Uh, maybe for some of you, you were in a, a group of people. You had some, what you thought were close friends, close connections with you, but when you needed them to, the most, that you, you were going through a difficult time, you're going through a struggle, a pain of, of, of something you're experiencing in your life, uh, all of a sudden those friends that you thought uh, were going to be there for you, they, they abandoned you and they left you and, and they left you all alone. And maybe as a result of that, you've experienced some deep hurt. And the result of that is that you are very, very reluctant to place yourself in, in any similar situation because you don't want to be hurt. See, when we have a bad experience, there's uh, emotion and memory are very closely connected. And when we have a bad experience, our, part of our brain called the hippocampus stores that emotional feeling and that experience as a bad Memory And when, whenever we have that same emotion stimulated, our hippocampus, it recalls that bad memory and it sends warning signals to us. Warning, run. Warning, build some walls. Warning, don't get too close. Stand back. And, and that's, what is that? that that's, that's, we talked about this last week. It's really, it's fear, isn't it? It's, it's fear if we're, if we're honest. And, and Satan, our spiritual enemy, he loves isolation. He loves isolation. And he knows that when you are isolated from people, when you pull away, when you withdraw, when you build walls and you're, and you're not sharing life, you're not connected with anybody, Satan knows that you're a prime target for an attack, that you're most vulnerable. And so... Um, Fear leads us towards isolation, and our, our enemy just loves it. And, and matter of fact, it's why it's so important as fathers of Christ that we do what 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, which is, which is take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ and to allow the Spirit of Jesus to transform us through the renewing of our minds, as Romans 12.2 says. But that's a reason we often drift towards isolation. I don't want to get hurt again. The second reason that we often find ourselves drifting towards isolation is that I don't have any margin in my life. I simply don't have any margin in my life. See, the reality is connection and relationship, it takes time. It takes time. And our schedules can be so full of good things that oftentimes we don't make 
time for the great things. And the good things take over the priority and, and, and rob us of experiencing the great things. And you know, the truth is we make time for whatever we value. We prioritize what we value the most. So if you don't see value in something, you're not going to give your time to it. And the man in our text here this morning, he had misplaced priorities. He, somewhere along the line, he, he drifted into isolation. He didn't see the value of connection and relationship, and he had no margin in his life. He was too busy working all the time. He had no time to connect with people and to experience the joy of connection and the necessity of connection. And so some of you, that's, that's the reason why you're drifting into isolation. Like you just don't have any margin. You'd like to have connection with people. You'd like to be part of a small group. You'd like to have coffee with a friend. That would be nice. I just don't have any time. Like look at my schedule. It's filled up with, filled up and filled up with all kinds of good things. And oftentimes margin uh, leads us to isolation. A third reason is this. I don't measure up to those I am comparing myself to. Sometimes that's a reason why we choose to isolate ourselves, to pull away, to not get connected with people because somewhere along the line, we, we began to compare ourselves with other people. And whenever we do that, whenever we compare ourselves to other people, uh, we tend to see their good qualities and our poor qualities, and it makes us feel bad. And who wants to hang around somebody where you end up feeling worse after you're done hanging around with them than, than before you started? And so the result of that is we drift into isolation. Sometimes we watch people's highlight reel on Facebook, and we compare their highlight reel to our normal everyday life. And, and, we, and we begin to compare ourselves and say, man, I just don't measure up. What we fail to realize is that picture that they just posted was totally had a filter on it. Totally had a filter on it. They spent all kinds of time cropping that picture, you know, going through their photo gallery. Kind of, nope, I don't want to use that one. My nose looks big. Nope, nope, that one. Nope, I don't like that. Wow, that's the perfect one. Let's add some filters on here. Let's change the lighting a little bit, right? Or, or the, the, you know, the post about holding hands with my spouse, walking around the lake at sunset. The birds were chirping like Whitney Houston song or something. I don't know, right? And we see that and we're like, wow, they really have their act together. I don't want to hang around them because my marriage kind of is in the toilet right now, right? And, and, and we do that. Most of the time, our Facebook posts are highlights. Not all the time. Some of you know what I mean. Uh, but mo most of the time, and we, we end up comparing ourselves with, with people. And the result of that is we shrink back into isolation because uh, I don't measure up with, with those that I'm comparing myself to. Sometimes it's envy that, uh, you know, we have envy in our heart. We don't want to see anybody win, anybody succeed, anybody get the promotion because somehow it takes, it takes uh, you know, uh, joy away from us when we see other people succeeding. And sometimes envy has caused us to pull away and to shrink back from, from being connected with people and enjoying life that comes from, from connection. Another reason, reason number four, I don't want to confront the sin in my life. I don't want to confront the sin 
in my life. See, sin causes us to run. It causes us to hide. It causes us to withdraw from relationships. It's what Adam and Eve did in the garden when they sinned. They ran and they, and they hid. And it's the same for us. It's what we do. And so when we are riddled with sin, we have sin in our life that we're not confessing before God. It's like this private sin in our life. The last people we want to be around are people that could potentially call out the sin in my life. Or because of who they are as a Christ follower, uh, they bring some Holy Spirit conviction into our life. And I don't want to confront the sin in my life. I don't want to be around. They just make me feel bad about my sin in my life. So rather than dealing with the sin, I'm, it's just easier for me to withdraw. It's just easier for me to, to stop showing up. Just easier for me just to, 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 to drift towards isolation. And so the, the author here in Ecclesiastes painted a picture of a man that's isolated himself. But now what he's going to do is he's going to paint a very different picture. He's going to, he's going to paint a picture why community is just so vital and so important to all of our lives. Look at verse 9. Verse 9 says this, two are better than what? Than one because they have a good what? Good return for their labor. In other words, if you compare the productivity from one person to the productivity that you get with two people, there's absolutely no comparison. That, that's what he's saying here. Like there's, there's just no comparison what two people can do compared to one. It's, it's this thing that we call synergy, right? You've heard that, that word. Um, just to give you a good example of that, one of the largest, strongest horses in the world is the Belgian draft horse. The Belgian draft horse, and on their own, uh, at competitions, uh, they'll often bring these horses to competitions. On their own, uh, the Belgian draft horse can pull 8,000 pounds on their own. That's a, a ton of weight. But here's the weird thing. The weird thing is that if you put two Belgian horses together, you just pick two of them out, uh, they're strangers. They've never been worked together before, but you just pick two out and you pair them up together. The strangest thing happens. They, they don't pull 16,000 pounds, which is what you would think two horses would do, but they actually uh, pull as much as three times. They pull 20 to 24,000 pounds, two horses together. Now you take those two horses and you begin training them together. Maybe they were, uh, they were raised together and they've learned to pull together. Uh, these two horses can pull as much as 32,000 pounds pounds together, as much as four times as much as a single horse. It's synergy, right? And synergy is the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. That's what, that's what that looks like. And it's kind of a mystery, but it's the same way, the same thing that happens in our healthy relationships, the, the reality is when you get yourself around another person that is a follower of Christ that's healthy uh, or two or three or a small group or a whole church of people and you're connected with them, something incredible happens. We get more done. And it's not just a little bit. Like it's not just 
uh, you know, a little noticeable uptick. It doesn't just double it, but man, it's just, the, it's incredible the amount of productivity that we can see happen as a result of working together and, and connection and finding ourselves connected with one another. Paul gives a, a picture of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Go ahead and turn there for a minute. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to look at a couple of verses here, beginning at verse 12. First Corinthians chapter 12, it says this, beginning at verse 12, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but how many? But of many. Now, if the, the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop to being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body. Who placed the parts there? God did. Every one of them just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. The parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. And this means this. If one part what? One part suffers. Guess who else suffers? Every other part suffers with it. If one part is honored, what happens? Every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, the miracles, gifts of healing, helping, guidance, different kinds of tongues. So the church is a body. We're a, the body of Christ, and I need you. Did you know that? I need you. And guess what? You need me. That's the way it works. Everybody is important. Everybody is necessary. And when we isolate ourselves from the body of Christ, here's what it's like. It's like, it's like amputating ourselves from the body. It's like some of you, you walked in here today and this is what you look like. If we could see the isolation in your life, this is what you'd look like. You walk in carrying your leg, carrying your, your ear, carrying your eyeball on your hand. And here's the reality. How can... How can somebody that has isolated themselves, amputated their body part from the body, how, how, can, how can you be cared for? 
when you're, when you're down for the count. See, here, here's the reality. Here's the truth this morning. Go ahead and write this down. We can't amputate We can't amputate ourselves from the body of Christ and then wonder why we are in so much pain. We can't amputate ourselves from the body of Christ and then wonder why we are in so much pain. See, when when an injury or pain happens in in our bodies, in our physical bodies, there's a reaction that happens. You know, the body has this thing called inflammation. Inflammation occurs and and blood begins to pour into that area that's been injured where there is is pain. And the body knows that there's another part of the body that's injured, right? White blood cells begin to rush in to that part of the body that's, that's injured. But the reality of it is we've isolated ourselves. We withdraw, we pull away from the body of Christ, when injury happens, when pain happens, when struggle happens in your life, the body doesn't know. The body doesn't know that you're struggling. We've amputated ourselves from the body. I'm going to put my foot down right now. <laughs> that was bad. That was bad. Look at, look at verse 10 of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes verse 10. It says, if either of them does what? If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. See, there's, there's safety in relationships. And we need people in our lives that can help navigate us through the, the difficult times, through the, the hard times. See, the reality of it is when, when, whenever we face a hardship in our life, um, we lose perspective. We lose perspective. It's, I call it the tunnel of chaos. Some of you right now, you're in the tunnel of chaos, this dark tunnel. It's like this dark tunnel and you've lost all perspective. You've been turned around by the, the problems, by the, the struggles, by the, the issues, and you, and you find yourself, you don't even know which end is the right way to walk because you've lost perspective. And that's why we need people. We need people to help us navigate through those difficult times. Somebody that has a little more perspective than we do at the moment. Somebody that's not going through a struggle like we are. Somebody that can take our hand and say, come on, this is the way to get out of the tunnel of chaos. We just need somebody to help us regain that perspective. See, we tend to forget the goodness of God when we stumble and fall. And we need the encouragement of someone who is still standing to help us get get back up. Are you walking alone right now? Do you have people like that in your life? That if you fall, you struggle, you stumble, you, you, you find yourself at the very bottom, there's people there that are, that are ready to, to grab your hand and help you back up. People to help you navigate through the tunnel of chaos. Or are, are you isolated right now? You, it's pitch black in your world right now. And, and, and you're confused and you're hurting and you're struggling. You've amputated yourself from the body and there's nobody there to help you. You know, there are 59, at least, 59 one another's in the New Testament. One another's. These are, these are exhortations. These are things that we're told to do. And here's the thing about one another's. We need to do them with one another. There, there are things that we're supposed to do with one another. We're supposed to one another, one another. 
Okay, that's what we're supposed to do. And, and uh, that can only be done in the context of connection. That can only be done in the context of proximity, of presence and participation. It can only be done when we find ourselves choosing, choosing not to be isolated, instead to connect. Things like this. Carry one another's burdens. Submit to one another. Encourage one another. Build one another up. Pray for one another. Confessing your sins to one another. I say it this way. Hardships without relationships are sunk ships. Hardships without relationships are sunk ships. Uh, there's this Greek word in, in the New Testament for the word fellowship, and it's the word koinonia. And it, it means exactly this. Just, it means connecting and, and uh, participating in, in life with one another in the context of biblical community. And uh, I heard somebody define fellowship this way. It's all of the fellows in the same ship. You guys ever hear that? Fellowship is all the fellows in the same ship. Because the reality of it is, there's going to come a time in your life when your ship's going to run aground. And the hull in your ship is going to break. And water's going to start rushing in. And you're going to need people that have buckets that, that can help pale water out of your sinking ship. Hardships without relationships become sunk ships. Fellowship is, is absolutely important. Let's look at verse 11. It says, also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Conduction is uh, this scientific term, right? It, it's used to describe the movement of one heat from a warmer object to a cooler one whenever uh, they are in direct contact with one another, right? It serves to even the temperature out between two, two things. And I've, uh, I've began a fun new hobby of roasting coffee. Max, you'll be happy to know that. Uh, roasting coffee, it's fun. And, and uh, I, I've, I'm learning some things and I'm reading a lot about roasting coffee, just trying to perfect that perfect cup. But I've learned something about roasting coffee. See, you, you roast coffee, it's, it's in about 475 degrees to 500 degrees. You have to heat the beans up and, and uh, there's a process. And, but at the, at the moment when you realize that your beans have re reached the roasting, roasting level that you want them to reach, it's really important that you pull them out of the heat and cool them down as quickly as possible because otherwise what will happen is the beans will, will continue to roast even after you've removed them from the heat. And so we, we use conduction in order to cool the beans down really, really quick. And so what we'll do is I'll, I'll get a, a, a chilled or a cold or a room temperature, even a baking sheet. And I'll dump the, the, the smoking hot beans on this baking sheet and spread them out. And, and the hot beans, the energy begun, be, begins to, to transfer from those hot beans into the metal baking sheet. The metal baking sheet is, is, is conducting all of the heat away from the beans. And my beans chilled, uh, cool down really quickly. Well, there's a, a spiritual conduction that happens Whenever you place yourself close to somebody that is spiritually hot for God. Did you ever notice that? What somebody that's, you know, uh, walking close with the Lord, that is growing in the Lord, 
somebody that uh, is in God's word and, and, and their life isn't perfect, but they're living by faith and, and they're, 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 they're trusting God in big ways. They're taking big steps of faith. You know, whenever I'm around somebody like that, their energy, their spiritual hotness for God is a conductor to me. Like it, I pull that in. It makes me hotter for God. Have you experienced that in your life? It's what happens. Spiritual conduction happens when we expose ourselves to someone who is spiritually hot and it raises our spiritual temperature. That's why it's so important to be around people that are growing in the Lord and trusting God and taking steps of faith and, and, uh, and, and, and in God's word and, and sharpening one another. There's something incredible that happens when we're around people like that. Uh, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, it says, it says this. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Then it says, not giving up together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. We, we see all of those three Ps present in these two verses. Proximity, don't give up meeting together. Don't give up meeting together. Keep showing up. Keep being a part of the group. Keep showing up. We see presence. It says, consider how we may spur one another on. That's presence. That's being actively engaging our minds, presence. And then participation, spur one another on towards love and good deeds encourage one another. That's, that's a picture of connection. And I love how it says, do it all the more as you see the day approaching. Isn't it interesting that studies, I started out kind of giving you um, some news on some studies that we are becoming more and more isolated as people each and every day. Isn't it interesting that God's word and the wisdom of God's word says that all the more while, while the day is approaching that we should, we should find connection all the more. So we, we should be looking for more ways to get connected with, with one another, not fewer ways. We, we should be finding ways and looking for ways to be around people. It's all about connection. And, and the writer of Hebrews tells us that. Look at verse 12. Verse 12 says, though one may be what? overpowered, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. See, God's word says that Satan is a roaring what? He's a roaring lion. He wants to create tremendous fear in our lives. Why does he want to do that? Because he wants you to become isolated. He wants you to pull away. He wants you to withdraw because he knows that when you withdraw from people, you will become the most vulnerable to attack. And so he creates fear in your life to get you isolated. You withdraw, you begin to withdraw from God's word. And no matter how weak or strong you are as a follower of Christ, listen to me, the attack will come when you're alone. That's what's gonna happen. The attack's gonna come when you're isolated because that's when you're most vulnerable to attack. Let me show you what I mean. Let's watch this video together. This extraordinary footage shows a lion being flipped five meters into the air. 
The juvenile predator was about to complete a kill before a giant male buffalo intervened to save his friend from certain death. The hungry duo spent 45 minutes stalking their prey in the Kruger National Park, South Africa. But after bringing down the defenseless buffalo, one lion left itself open to a surprise attack. The astonishing moment was captured by 52-year-old Ian Matheson and his 16-year-old son, Oliver, during an early morning safari. Amazingly, all of the animals walked away from the encounter with no major injuries. The enemy is a roaring lion, seeking for people to devour, seeking people who are isolated, seeking people who have withdrawn, pulled away on their own, because that's when you're vulnerable to attack. That's just the way it works. And you need people that when the lion comes and begins to seek his, sink his teeth into you, you, you need people that can come and, and, and kick the lion out of your life. Get the lion out of there. Uh, some of you right now, you're, you're a prime target. You're a prime target for an attack from the enemy. And the sad thing is it doesn't have to be that way. It just doesn't have to be that way. You have a choice. You have a choice. Where are you vulnerable this morning? Where have you, where have you isolated yourself? Ask yourself why. Is it, is it because of fear? Maybe you've had a painful experience and you don't want to go back and you're struggling. You're struggling, tearing the walls down, keeping you from, from connection with, with, with people that want to come alongside of you and they want to pour into you. Is it because you simply don't have any margin in your life? Uh, maybe you need to pray, ask God to give you wisdom uh, to know when to say no to the good things so that you can say yes to the, to the great things. Is, is it because maybe you've been comparing yourself to someone else and uh, you've been allowing maybe envy to, to kind of creep up in your life? Uh, maybe God is dealing with you uh, on a, a sin, a secret sin in your life that, that needs to be confronted. Remember, we can't, we can't amputate ourselves from the body and then wonder why we are in so much pain. We can't, we can't do that. So let's get intentional about getting connected. We, we have all kinds of ways that we can help you do that here at Grace, but here's the thing. It's going to take work on your part. You're going to have to do a little bit of, of, of work. You're going to have to put some effort into it. Maybe for you, you need to join a small group. You need to get with 10 or 12 or 14 people. You need to begin to just doing life with them. Just begin being honest with, with some of the struggles in your life. You need to put yourself in proximity with people that want to pour into you and that want, quite honestly, want you to pour into them. Uh, maybe you need to start showing up on Wednesday night to prayer encounter. It's a great way to, to get connected with other believers and to carry one another's burdens. It's, it's one of my uh, favorite hours of the week. Maybe you need to join a serving team here at Grace. It's a great way to get connected with, with other people. Maybe you just need to seek out 
an accountability partner, someone that you can have a cup of coffee with or a breakfast with every week. Begin to share what God's doing in your life, some of the, the struggles. Allow somebody to poke and prod a little bit. Kind of call out some blind spots in your life that maybe you don't see. Maybe you need accountability. Maybe, maybe you consider joining Fight Club this next go around. Maybe uh, join Remarkable Women Together group or training camp. Maybe it's as simple as texting a friend. Actually, you know what? No, don't text them. Pick up the phone, call them, and say, hey, can we have coffee this week? Can we have lunch this week? Can we have breakfast this week? Some things I need to talk about. And during that time, just be honest. Just say, you know what? I've, man, I've been pulling away. I've been withdrawing. And, and, you know, God's been dealing with me in the area of connection. I really need to stay connected. I'm not going to grow if I'm not connected. Will you help me do that? Will you be that person that will, that will help me stay connected? Connection's not going to happen automatically. Uh, you need to make it happen. It happens when we choose not to live in isolation. Let's pray together. God, thank you for creating us for community. God, thank you that we have the opportunity to uh, rub against people that make us better than we would ever be on our own. God, I pray that you would help us to search our hearts this morning to identify areas of our lives where, where maybe we have drifted towards isolation. God, help us to be honest with ourselves about the reasons why we're drifting into isolation. God, and would you do a work in our heart? God, we want to grow into the people that you have created us to be. We want to make the people around us better so we can pe- see, see more people cross the line of faith. We can take lots of people with us to heaven. God, we, 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 we recognize that you created us for community And God, we we hunger and we strive, we work towards that. God, help us to be quick to choose not to to drift towards isolation. Stop us when we're we're doing that. God, I pray that we'd be a healthy body here at Grace, just practicing the one another's in a way that would honor you. God, we love you this morning. Thanks for for saving us and calling us to yourself. It's because of of you, your son, Jesus, that we have life, abundant life this morning. So thanks for the freedom that we have in you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Have a great week. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. Go out and do some connecting.